This is episode 102 of G.I. Joburg. We don't have any special guests. We don't have any gimmicks. This is being released on Podbean and iTunes and not YouTube. We just have the basics. The four members of G.I. Joburg. And they are me, Steven. Spooky Paul. <laughs> Raboot. <laughs> Everybody's got a Simpsons lead in. It's Conspiracy Cujo on the West Coast. <laughs> Never saw that one coming. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of year and everyone seems to be doing it. So what the hell? It's G.I. Joburg's Halloween special. <laughs> Woo! But it's also a very refreshing opportunity to take stock. Uh, we're past the 100 milestone. Uh, we've been doing fun things on YouTube. We've been doing fun things on Podbean and iTunes. But we're all back. The four of us are back. What's new, guys? It feels like it's been a while since we had this format. I'm excited. I'm also the only one, it seems. <laughs> No, I'm super amped, man. I got all kinds of cool new shit to talk about. I mean, okay, in the grand scheme of things, probably not a lot, but it is really cool um, stuff. Hey, Paul's back to his old antics. How about you, Rob? How are yes. you feeling on this fine evening? I am doing good. I had a really fun time today. I helped Stephen film some stuff. Look forward to that on the YouTubes. You don't have to be coy, man. We can talk about it if you want. Uh, what did we do? What did we show? No, cool it's, a, it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's tangentially got something to do with the core, but it's mainly just uh, right. me taking you on a guided tour through my toy cave. Zzz. Multiple toy caves. Wow. Nice. Very nice. That sounds cool. I'm looking forward to that. Boopy, boop, boop, boop. Sorry, I had to step away from the microphone for a second and kill this gigantic, mutated fucking cockroach. This is indeed a Halloween special. <laughs> the creepy crawlies all over me. How about you, Cujo? What's new, brother? Well, in our absence, lots of stuff has burned down, so I looked at that. On the Joe front, I'll, I'll talk a little IDW. They've cooked up a little bit of their special marketing, I suppose. Um, it's funny, uh, since our last conversation... There's a new site called Not Bleeding Cool, but Bleeding Fool, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> and uh, they happened to run another hit piece on Joe or whatever. In our absence, I did go up north because there was a lot of rampant fires, which I'm sure the media has alluded to. It's personal to me, but, you know, this isn't the place to demagogue. Firefly did get loose. Um, we don't know in what capacity, but it did change a lot of people's lives. And there's a lot of artists up there that I, I can't wait to talk to. Because, uh, you know, out of tragedy and stuff like that. So I'm headed back up there to wrap up that, uh, interviews and stuff like that. But also, in my absence, I attended a little thing called TwitchCon. I'm just going to allude to that um, so that anybody listening who is, like, maybe reluctant to step to YouTube or something like that, uh, I've been looking for a, a media company of people that actually care what's going on. I would look at Twitch, guys. It may not be your format or your medium. I was heat checking people. You know how I do. So, yeah, these people were uh, legit. Um, so, anyway, that's all I'm going to say. Twitch was good. Fires burned. Paul, you said you had new stuff going on? Yeah, I got new stuff going on. <laughs> this has been a cool month for me because it's 
the month I get older in. <laughs> so I, I I have aged. I've leveled up to 34 now. Awesome. But uh, you know what's made it a really cool birthday is that there has been some G.I. Joe in it, uh, which has been really amazing. And uh, I've got my new... Shit, if I call her a sidekick, I wonder if she'll be cross with me. I have my new sidekick in my life <laughs> as well, uh, <laughs> who, who went the extra mile to like trying to make it a really awesome day and, and and keep the festivity level pretty high. So that was pretty cool. And to all of you guys that, uh, and I'm speaking to you listeners, to all of you who sent me uh, messages and everything on Instagram, through Facebook, on Messenger, who directly messaged me and emailed me, Guys, you you are awesome. I, I keep saying this, and thank you so much. Uh, it's actually really appreciated. You made this old man, <laughs> old man. <laughs> uh, you made this uh, old man feel feel quite good on his birthday. So thank you very much for that. The other thing uh, that I just want to do is it's just uh, a shout out to Steve actually for <laughs> his uh, really really cool post. You know, uh, it, it was quite heartwarming, dude. Like uh, I'm not gonna lie on 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 our GI Joe book thing. But without getting too mushy, hey, hey. I, I didn't see it. What you, did, oh, yeah, but you're not on Facebook, bro. That's why. Oh, that's right. Well, Paul, there's really no comparison between you commissioning a one-of-a-kind artwork to ring in my birthday last year and me just simply posting a picture of us on top of Table Mountain. I mean, like, come on. Come on. You put in the hard no, yards. Dude, was... I just got some tasty young thing to, uh, to to handle my iPhone while we posed for the camera. <laughs> no, man. It was fucking cool. I really appreciate it. Uh, and like I said, this birthday came with some G.I. Joes uh, and conventions. And, oh, this is crazy. So uh, earlier this month, there was a huge convention in South Africa called Rage. It's a video gaming and comic... Uh, oh, it's a very big... It's a geek expo, okay? But it's it's primarily video gaming based. And there is a strong complement that consists of uh, collectible figures and collectible merchandise. And then uh, it has an artist alley and all that. And this year, I was back at Rage and I sold some of my shirts. And I had some of my artwork up and whatevers. And I saw the first... Um, the first G.I. Joe cosplay I've ever seen at Rage I saw this year. It was a young lady who dressed herself up as Snake Eyes or as a as a femme Snake Eyes, which I thought oh. was pretty cool. Yeah, and fake and eyes. She, she was actually fake eyes. Yeah, no, she was. Uh, and Watch she didn't yourself. even know that she didn't even know that there's a female Snake Eyes. She just went at, uh, went at it as uh, well Sigma Six Snake Eyes. That was her, her whole spiel. So she did that around that same time. A listener of ours, uh, quite a big fan of ours, a, a guy by the name of Joel Thompson. I may have mentioned him in an earlier episode. He sent me a small parcel, and he replaced my Destro. <laughs> I had a Destro that had two left arm or two right arms. Should I? It's two left arms. Uh, one was where it's supposed to be. The other one wasn't. <laughs> um, so he replaced <laughs> the the body and didn't want to waste all of that money on shipping just one body to me. So he sent me some very cool modern era figures and that was a nice treat because I haven't had cool modern era figures in a long time and um, I finally got myself a female Cobra Trooper I finally got a shooter the new Gung Ho and an Alpine um, just to round up my collection of modern era figures I've needed a Gung Ho and an Alpine in that set for forever uh, shooter is a very welcome addition as is a, Cobra, a female Cobra officer which even though when I saw her release on BBTS, I was a little bit hesitant, but 
I gotta say, I gotta eat my words. When I took that figure out and I checked it out and I've been playing around with it, it's a good toy. Um, and that uh, backpack, though. Yeah, that backpack. <laughs> that backpack. It's basically Fireflies. Uh, guys, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with the toy, Firefly uh, Modern Pursuit of Cobra. Firefly comes with that massive backpack, that really awesome backpack, which is great on that Firefly and. Uh, also great in its subsequent re reuses on guys like the Cobra Horseman or the Crimson Horseman or whatever they're called. But on Madam Cobra Officer, it's a little bit big. <laughs> it just throws the proportions off a little bit, makes it very difficult to, to have a standing with it. But hey, whatever. As it does with all of those figures, actually, to be fair. And then with that came a nice compliment of, uh, well, a great compliment of uh, vintage figures as well. I finally have a vintage low light, a vintage law and order, and a uh, vintage blaster, <laughs> uh, if you can believe it. And he's super mint. I, uh, I've got blaster in my hand, and some of my hate for Battlefar 2000 is being removed just because blaster is kind of a cool toy. I'm not going to lie. So that was really great. Thanks, Joel, if you're listening. I'm sure you are. Uh, dude, I'm super happy. The big one for me as well is my birthday. Yay. I didn't get just one, but I got two G.I. Joe parcels. I see that um, a Sludge Viper and Clean Sweep had snuck into my base. Uh, Clean Sweep was obviously hunting down Sludge Viper, um, and then I managed to, to sort of catch them in the act. So now I have a Clean Sweep to add to my Eco Forces or to my Eco Warriors. So now that makes it a total of two because I have Ozone and Clean Sweep, which is great. And my Clean Sweep's complete, and I love this gun, and I don't know why I never had this toy when I was a kid because he's just great. And Sludge Viper, this will be my first ever Sludge Viper, and he is fantastic, folks. If You know, you've got to get past this neon hate because Sludge Viper is a great toy. Don't you guys agree? Oh, yeah. Rob got me my Sludge Viper, actually. Oh, yeah? Mm. Yeah, Sludge Viper's cool, man. And then I got a Devastator, a <laughs> Minton Box Nohal, and inside the box was a Maverick. And I'm thinking of doing some, something special with that Devastator. I was thinking of doing a little on-camera unboxing and assembly video. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Yes, I know. I know that, love. Then uh, you've got to do happen. the Radar Rat. It's like they're complimentary. Radar Rat yeah, versus they... Devastator. Who will win? Yeah, maybe I should do that. Maybe we should shoot some lines together and get that. And I am super happy. I mean, I just got a whole bunch of G.I. Joe's on my birthday. I got a Rubik's Cube. I solved it. Huh. Um, <laughs> and my lovely lady took me out and a few friends to a very cool dinner last night at a place called Biru, which is a Japanese restaurant that has a hot pot feature and like a, I want to say Benny Hanna style grill, grill situation. And I had some marbled beef, uh, Wagyu beef. And it was great. It was really did fantastic. Did you have to cook it, or did they? Yeah. No, no, You, I had to cook it. Like, it looks I, like traditional style same, hot pot. I did that mm -hmm. same thing, and it, it turned out to be a debacle. But that's probably my cooking hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. My only regret for last night is that uh, you fine gentlemen couldn't be there, because I know that if you were in my hood, you would be. And it would have been fantastic. I've got an axe to grind. I've got an axe to grind against steamboats. Japanese style barbecue like that. Like you're yeah. taking you're taking beautiful cuts of meat and boiling them. Hey, I know it's a social thing and I know it's a cultural yeah. thing, but I 
I catered a steamboat, well, that's what they call it, a steamboat, um, at my girlfriend's parents' place, and I was just like, I was just disappointed, man. I mean, it's it's an interesting, it's like a fondue, I suppose, the, the Western yes. equivalent would be a fondue, but I don't know, man, everything just comes out a little bit blander and a little bit tougher. Like, at one point, I was just putting raw beef into my mouth, because I was like, this beef is too good to just boil. Not to slight anyone's culture, but different strokes for different folks. I like to put meat on an open flame and baste it within an inch of its life. We're not cooks. <laughs> well, I, I th- no, Steve can cook, dude. It's it's quite insane. Like, yeah, man, man you're compromised at that table. What were you wearing, Steven? Were you wearing a sweater? Were you reaching across food and stuff? Did you feel out of your element? Oh, man. Look... As I was instructed by Kim, it, it was a kind of a every man, woman, and child for themselves situation. Like, if you don't tend yeah. to whatever you've put into the pot and someone else grabs it, tough shit, it's theirs. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was hard work, man. You had to fight off family yes. members. Elbows and teeth. Yeah, it's, it's a payday thing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, I, I don't know if that answers your question, Cujo, but it is, it is interesting. Um, it might have worked better with, like, a thicker broth, but... That's not in the Asian style. Like, you want it to be a really watery broth. I don't know, buddy. Mm. It's Maybe I just don't get it. I, I, I plead ignorance, but it's not my favorite way of preparing food. I'm glad you enjoyed your birthday celebrations. <laughs> Let me not put a damper on that. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. No, they had a grill and everything, which was really cool. Mm. And um, the broth was great because they like sort of separated the parts. So the one side was the more sort of... I'd say watery kind of broth, and then the other side was like a chili broth, which is really good. Um, okay. And it's very similar to like Szechuan style um, spiciness. And yeah, we were throwing like shiitake mushrooms in there and all kinds of crazy shit. And then we got a whole my, bunch my, of my. noodles. My, my, my. did you eat fungus? Yeah. Uh, it may have gone in my mouth with all the other stuff uh, in the noodles and whatever. Yeah, yeah, that does happen. <laughs> Terrific, dude. <laughs> well, shiitake mushrooms are, they are a delicacy. I, yeah. Love, love, love. Me some shit take. <laughs> and I gotta say, I love me some Asahi beer. Uh, it's really great stuff. I really love that Japanese beer. It's fantastic. Jeez, um, guys, should we forego Jokon and just head to Tokyo? <laughs> yeah, fuck. I'm gonna eat the shit out of that place. Um, the other thing I just wanted That's to two. say is. Uh, two. And it's a special mention. Um, it, I've got two special mentions that I wanna do. Uh, as uh, our listeners know, I've got, well, my really amazing uh, lady in my life, uh, Lily. Her brother does this really cool, like, etching on glass. And he does this, like, kind of glass art stuff as, like, a hobby. So her and her whole family sort of got together and made, like, six tumblers for me. Seven seven tumblers with cool kind of uh, geeky stuff on it. And one of them was, like, a Ninja Turtle. So I've got that on my desk now as we're doing this podcast. It's got Michelangelo eating a pizza. Another one is a Gundam, uh, which was really well rendered. Uh, then it's Samus from Metroid, uh, if you guys know the Metroid games. And then another one was, I have a G.I. Joe and Cobra logo tumbler. So on the one side, it's G.I. Joe. On the other side, it's Cobra, which is I thought was really, really thoughtful and really slick. Oh, there's a Ghostbusters one. And then the last one, the Ghostbusters one came out really well too. And the last one, uh, so this is a bit of an inside joke with my girlfriend and her brother. She got a Rubik's Cube somehow and I started messing with it. And then I was like, no, fuck this, I can do this. I'm just going to go online and check out all the algorithms and whatever and do it. 
And her brother just kind of goes, oh, cool, I'll see what you're doing. Like, uh, can I have a shot? So I'm like, oh, no problem. And he solves the thing right in front of me. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you've probably done this before. He's like, no, first time. But he's that kind of guy. He's, he's, it's just his brain's wired that way. You know, mine's obviously not. So he did a glass, which has got a picture of a Rubik's Cube on. And it's got like a score sheet. And it's Paul, zero, David, one. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is great. The <laughs> fucker. <laughs> uh, I thought that was really sweet. And then, um, yeah, and then like I was saying a little earlier, if any of our Joe Joburg listeners find themselves in Cape Town, should be around the end of this year, if I'm not mistaken, Steve, the play that goes wrong <laughs> is fantastic. Thanks, bro. Uh, it is, yeah, dude, it's some of the best theater I've, I've experienced ever. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's not, a sh- it's not a spectacle or anything like that. It's just a well-written show. Um, and if it's the same cast as the cast I saw, well then it's a bunch of fucking winners. It was a great show, and it was, it, it was, it's been a talking point amongst uh, friends and people around me. So, yeah, guys, go and check it out. Go and check out one of your G.I. Joburg faves <laughs> doing his thing on stage in the play that goes wrong. Yes, it's actually <laughs> worth coming to South Africa for. <laughs> cool, man, but that's me. <laughs> Didn't Robert hit the cinema? Oh. Yeah, ind- indeed I did. I went to the movies this weekend uh, with a good friend of mine. And together we saw Thor Ragnarok, Marvel's latest extravaganza. And it was, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was a good night out. Like, particularly years. after some uh, rather tall lagers. <laughs> Ooh. I don't think anyone yep, in that cinema was laughing quite as hard as these particular two friends. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we were out to prove something. Yeah! Superhero movies can be comedies too, but it is exactly that. It's a buddy comedy first and a superhero movie second, I think. Whether it's the Thor-Loki combo or the Thor-Valkyrie combo or the Thor-Hulk combo. Thor combo. Or just the Jeff Goldblum-Jeff Goldblum combo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I joked to Rob that um, the X-Men franchise can never visit Mojo World anymore because Marvel did it better first. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking yeah. about, watch the movie. It, it, I can't it, wait to see this damn film. <laughs> it is definitely a good uh, excuse to go to the cinema. And after some really dour affairs with Thor as a character, as the sort of the title character of his movies, this is whimsical and a delight because it's kind of picked up on the the colorful notes that guardians of the galaxy have uh except it involves characters that i have actually give a shit about <laughs> so there's that um and it's wonderful i mean thor is the butt of his own jokes uh he's taken that ball from the avengers and run with it uh unfortunately making him out to be some serious mythological badass uh, doesn't really have the sex appeal of making him somewhat of a running in-joke, and one that he is mm. all too aware of by this third film. And that, my friends, is a comedy masterstroke. Why not? Why the hell not? It was dying to happen. I mean, come on. He's been called Goldilocks by the rest of the Avengers for the longest time. It was about time he took the piss out of himself. Yeah, yeah. I thank you. 
Before I step in a in a quagmire here, um, have you guys all seen the new Blade Runner? I know Stephen has. I assume Rob has. Uh, Kujo, have you seen it? I have. Okay. I'm guessing that if you're a fan of G.I. Joe Berg... No, no, it's all good. I'm guessing if you're a fan of G.I. Joe Berg, then I'm pretty sure you've seen Blade Runner. I mean, because it's Blade Runner, for fuck's sakes. Buddy, the one does not necessarily include the other. That, that is true. I didn't come up with Blade Runner as part of my sci-fi lexicon. I think a lot of people missed it. And if you missed it, chances are you don't quite get it. I don't quite get it. Or I didn't quite get it until 2049, which is a far more accessible film, I think. Agreed. Agreed. It totally is. I just wanted to check, am I the only one on this podcast that cried in that movie? Hmm. Yes, I, I think I got Misty, uh, but I'm trying to remember when. Are we talking about, and spoiler alerts, you guys might want to mute the next seven minutes, starting from now. Uh, are you talking about where Ryan Gosling calls it quits and goes yeah. to the happy hunting ground? That no. that took me by surprise, man. I mean, I wouldn't say it took me by surprise. I knew it was coming. It was just like... The, my reaction to it took me by surprise. I was like, why do I give such a shit? <laughs> I was kind of yeah. saddened by the disillusionment felt by his his life's love. You know? His, yes. His, the relationship he develops with a hologram. You know, a se- semi-sentient program designed to love unconditionally. Treat you like a king. Uh, you know, the J-O-I or Joy, however you want to pronounce it, that was perhaps the most intriguing part of that film to me. I was like, wow, she is so sweet and so irresistible and so gorgeous, but she's not real. But does it matter? Yeah. They could make a film around that concept alone and I would watch it and the sequel. Well, that's the concept (laughs) of Blade Runner, you know, that's the thing, because that's kind of like how that kicked me in the balls was... They sort of play up this whole, oh, okay, well, you know what, maybe Joe, okay, you know, maybe he's, he's like, he very much is probably like Deckard's kid or something, or maybe he's very, like, he's different, like something special about him, and maybe he somehow has found this special hologram. They kind of do that to you on a subconscious level, so you kind of think, oh, wow, this hologram somehow is actually reaching out at... It's like, it's it's turned into, like, caring for him, and then it just is what it is, and you're like, oh my god, that is so, that leaves you so cold, and it's actually scary, because I suppose that's how the real world is at the moment, too. All these movies probe one question, when are you going to fall in love with the robot? That's what they're asking you. When are you going to do it? Yeah, well, there you go, you know? I mean, yeah. maybe it's already happened. Maybe, maybe you're with somebody that is kind of a robot already, you know? Well, but- let me ask you this question. I don't know if you guys are connected to your phones over there like we are over here. Sometimes when you're with your lady, do you have that internal question? Should I touch my phone or my lady right now? No, I don't ever have that problem. I pretty much know what I want to put my hands on. That's fair. (laughs) I'll see you in 20 minutes. (laughs) Controller. No, I hear you. No, I I hear where you're coming from with that, and that's true. And listen, maybe that doesn't affect – I don't want to say that it's a generational thing too much, but I do find that I can resist my phone. Like, I can actively resist my phone, where I think a lot of younger generations, and I also, I don't want to just generalize them because I know that not everybody's the same, but but a lot of younger generations are in that habit of being stuck to their phones as well. 
I don't know. Personally, I think uh, boundaries need to be set. Like, the bedroom should be a no-phone zone. Steven, mm. hear me out, brother. I mean, mm. both me and my lady are media. So, like, before we go to bed, we designate time to check out our local hashtags and whatnot. I mean, that's that's where we're at. But we kind, yeah, of, I don't embra- care about we kind of embrace that, you know? I find that when I'm with Lil, for example, I try not to think of the, the outside world. Um, in fact, I disconnect myself from my social media stuff as much as possible. The only time that I did engage in it was when her and I were both actively engaging people at Rage and, and creating an event and creating, trying to generate energy around that. But other than that, it wasn't, it's not something, it's not even something she does, like when we're together. Like she doesn't, she's not on her phone that often or any, or, or anything like that. In fact, if anything, we're sometimes playing games or talking shit or whatever. But it's different for different people, like you said. And you know, you and your lady are both into like media, for example. But anyway, I digress. Before we move on to chameleons and whatnot, I, I did want to reference uh, Robert's Too Modest, but he's actually did some pretty good detective work on Blade Runner 2049. Wasn't it you that found that 20 plus 4 plus 9 is 33, and it is released on a date that adds up to 33? Is that accurate? I, I do remember that I did check the... Um, Bad Rob. Yeah, 2049 <laughs> adds up to 33. <laughs> Get this, you know, we we were trying to watch something creepy, you know, to get in the spirit of the season last night, mm-hmm. and just blind pick picked the '73 Wicker Man, which that's not a lightweight movie, guys. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> but guess what? The opening scene it says the 29th of April, twenty nine four. That is creepy. It's too much. It's not creepy, but anyway, aren't we supposed to talk about Zartan? I want to get some Zartan out there. Steve, do you want to get your Zartan out there? Hmm. Version 22 is going to be hard to beat, and that's uh, Vanishing oh, Act. Wow, that was you're right out the gate. But I'd like to reference as a sort of nouveau definitive, and that's probably a contradiction in terms, but... I like the, what this adds to the Zartan character. Just like Zartan has always been couched as some kind of swamp abomination in previous mm-hmm. iterations, you know, he's always associated with the wetlands and rising out of some kind of, you know, stagnant pool with, with some mist yeah. rising up around him. That's how Zartan, in the classic sense, is best portrayed. An interesting new take on the character's setting would be the desert surprise attack Zartan, or whatever he's called, from Pursuit of Cobra. Mm, that is uh, version 20 on Yojo. Very good. That is the one that comes with a staff and a bird of prey. He comes with a removable hood, which you're able to remove to expose his body, which is a fantastic body sculpt. With an interesting fade to it. I mean, he's definitely been uh, in a desert environment. He's got sunburn on his flesh, which is interesting because uh, Zartan was always depicted as having a a kind of aversion to light. So it seems like this version has overcome that. Uh, He looks hardened and that the years have been somewhat 
difficult, but it's unmistakably Zartan. And what's so interesting about this version, because I bought it as soon as humanly possible, before it actually even saw carded release. So I bought one from Hong Kong, uncarded, which is a factory error, because it comes with the Arnold Forslu head. My Desert Sartan is layers of, of intrigue compounded onto itself. And also, I find it's got the most effective disguise because it comes with a full head that is interchangeable and some G.I. Joe body armor kind of splayed open like he's from this lost battalion that's been stumbling through the desert and needs to be rescued and taken into the pit where he can then go to work in unearthing G.I. Joe's deepest secrets and murdering their top personnel from the inside. I mean, this guy just screams Zartan and suggests a really cool play pattern. But that's my my definitive Zartan. I'm going to go with version 20. Steven. Yo, brother. Do you mind if I counterpunch you for a second? Punch me. <laughs> Combo breaker. It does, does, uh, <laughs> dude, I love Killer Instinct. Is that is that what that was from? That was um, what that was from. Ah, uh, so much rangy characters in that game. Do do mm-hmm. you feel like see a different bird that feels better for Zartan? Uh, well, given the fact that he's a, a cue ball, I suppose you're probably hedging towards a vulture. Not I don't so. know. I'm not hedging. Okay. Pick me, Finch. <laughs> well, let me try this then. Alternate head. Who do you see when you look at that? Is there an actor? Or, or something like that that you see in that face? I'm always going to default to our local boy, good old Arnold Fosloo, and it trips me out that I've got that head. But I'm not entirely sure where you're going with this, brother. No, we're specific. Oh. Just curious Just if anybody came to mind. questions. Matt Damon. Oh. Matt Damon. Oh, okay, okay. I can see Damon. <laughs> oh, hang on. I really enjoyed Billy Crudup in Zartan makeup uh, on... Um, the That's Ballad true. of G.I. Joe, do you remember it? I love that so much. It was a funny or die video which recast the sort of classic Sunbow era Joes and Cobras uh, and used you know some Hollywood A and B listers. Like Julianne Moore playing Scarlet. I mean, I don't know if she's uh, moving on in years these days, but uh, she's got the fiery red hair. No one can deny that. And she's fiery. Yeah, yeah man, I'm thinking Lions back to, to like her, her, her Boogie Nights appearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> Perfect Scarlet oh, performance. <laughs> Marky Mark, MM. Uh, Gooch, mm-hmm. uh, which one of you two, you or Rob, want to weigh in on your favorite, or should I say definitive Zartan? Robert, how you feeling? Should <laughs> No, um, no, but I mean, like, next. Sorry. <laughs> oh, next. <laughs> context. Okay. Oh, context. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll crack this one. I would, yeah, as a special mention, I'd mention Steven's one, because it is really cool that Arnold Vosloo, um played Zartan, and there's a cool figure that looks a lot like him. Version 22, you say, Steven? He's pretty good. Vanishing act. Yeah. It's got all the classic notes, and it looks... The proportions look right. Yeah, it's a good-looking figure. That is impressive, but it's new... It's, it's not, I was about to say new sculpt. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new sculpt. 
Although there are some good uh, new sculpt era Zartans, by the way, I'm just saying. I would probably still go with the original. I mean, I think it's just so cool that you can stick him in the freezer and he changes colors. That's mm-hmm. such a That would be the thermo... Um, Thermonuclear reaction. Uh, no. Uh, um, that Zartan, ironically, was... Heat sensitive. He, not heat sensitive. He was light sensitive. There's a difference. Oh. Ah. Because they did a later one. The mod, the first I don't know about modern... photosynthesis? No, uh, no. F- f- photo. F- I'll, I'll actually look at it. Photorealistic. Basically, the thing they put in micro machines. <laughs> yes. Photochromatic or thermochromatic. Ooh. Thermochromatic means wow. it changes color um, relative to heat, and photochromatic changes color re- re- relative to light exposure. Mm. Stephen Jobber, the science guy. So, <laughs> version one of Zartan from 1984 was th- photochromatic. Version whatever it is from 2007 was thermochromatic. He responded to the cold. There are lots of nice modern era ones, but I like the original. Yes, agreed. Yeah, man. You agree it's, that I like it. Nice. I do agree that it is a good pick, and... It's tough to divorce Zartan from his features because he was such a feature-laden figure. But I suppose not all of those features are practical. And and so the modern era Zartans are a response to that. It's like, why should he change color? Just because the first one did? Let's rather enhance the disguise element. But yeah, I must say, when I first found out that V1 could do all of that, he became my most sought-after figure. I remember all my passwords while I was in Varsity were Zartan. <laughs> because I was on the hunt for a good condition Zartan. I was just like, yeah, that's the password that comes to mind. And no one else is going to pick Zartan as a password. Come on. Zartan. <laughs> it's not my password anymore, okay? It's certainly not for my online banking profile. <laughs> Who's next, boys? Yeah. I I want to I want to go in. Sorry. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Robert, who who are you seeing in Zartan's alternate face? In the original face. Um Damn it. I would think I would think the devil, but I mean that that's more like that's no that's not a specific person, is it? Okay. Um I don't I can't think of anyone's like like real. Maybe um Ooh, the master from um, Doctor Who, the original actor who played him, had a very similar um, oh, kind shit, of facial Bob. hair thing oh. going on. Oh, Whoa, right. Paul, the only one who's watched Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. Other than Sorry, me. Like, I love Who. Get Doctor nuts, who. Paul. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get nuts. Okay, so um, Steve's uh, response to this... Um, this figure was uh, kind of a little understated. Uh, if you have just listened or just joined our wonderful podcast and are going through and marathoning all of the episodes, you're going to find out that Steve really loves Zartan. I mean, you know, he had all of his varsity passwords uh, set up as <laughs> Zartan. <laughs> so um, I'm actually quite impressed that he just went boom, version 20. But uh, Zartan's a fucking amazing toy. And Here's the thing. When I started 25th anniversary, much to my surprise, I got a Snake Eyes and a Blue Baroness toys that a friend of mine had got for me from the States from a visit that he 
you know, he did to this date. And that was Zartan version 14. Out of all of the 25th anniversary jokes that were available, Zartan stood out as being an insanely cool figure. It's a great uh, packaging. If you guys are wondering which one that is, it's the one that comes with the little swamp skier carded that's part of the 25th anniversary line. It's a fantastic toy, and I was like, you know, Zartan's kind of one of those characters that I'd always wanted as a kid growing up. So I was like, yeah, cool, I can finally get Zartan. And this toy is great, and it was amazing. And it is still one of my favorite toys. It's in my special Cobra Hierarchy box. But it's not my definitive, but it is a damn good Zartan to get if you've never picked up a Zartan before. Then the next one that I got my grubby little paws on was the Zartan from the G.I. Joe Resolute OVA series or DVD release or however you want to see it, webisodes. And that is a very cool Zartan. His face sculpt is on point. He's amazing. I love the weapons that he comes with. Great detail, great sculpting. A lot of things that make him Zartan, if you know what I mean. He doesn't have that Zartan-ness. And it's got a lot to do with the gear. I mean, he could have come with a bow... Um, I think if he came, I mean, it's not a feature that they did in the actual show, but it had to come with some kind of face mask or whatever that would have been great. So the gear is not right, even though it's cool. The second thing is he needs his gear to complete his look. I find that this is a toy that looks really bad without his armor. So it can't really be the definitive Zartan then, can it? This new Zartan that's just come out, the so-called, well, what is known as Ultimate Zartan version 22, I think is amazing. I would love to get my hands on one, and I will get my hands on one at some point, and I'm pretty sure that I'm going to love that toy, but my absolute favorite Zartan, the Zartan I think that is definitive, is also version 20. Version 20. Version 20 Zartan is amazing. This is my favorite Zartan, never mind just a great candidate for definitive sculpt, because he has all the creepiness that Zartan comes with. As Stephen mentioned, he's also got an interchangeable head, um, he's got different web gear, so you could uh, sort of mock him up to look like a Joe. They used that same face sculpt on the re-release of Crazy Legs as well. So it also gets you wondering, hey, is this maybe, like, did Zartan, like, kill Crazy Legs or something? Or is he used Crazy Legs' look as an infiltration method? I mean, that's just a little bit of, like, you know, a conversation point amongst fans like us and whatever in the toy line. But... This Zartan is great. He's crazy. He's creepy. He looks dangerous. He looks mean. You know, he's got that warrior in the waist thing. I've seen people do great sort of customs of him as Raptor. And there has been some speculation that originally this was designed to be a re-release of Raptor. I remember that conversation being on his tank at one point. But I think this is very much Zartan, though. And is my favorite Zartan. And when I think of Zartan these days, I think of him as this kind of loner in the desert kind of creepy not necessarily in the desert always but i just feel he's just very solo and it's it's great and he's got a bit of an egyptian quality i don't know if you guys feel that from him like there's like this kind of mysticism that comes with you know falconry and all of that so anyway not to mention the, 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 the the minute details the little bits of um symbolism like the sort of intersecting yeah. hoops on his back and the various like circles on his torso but it's all around just a very visually intriguing figure i mean the the fade to his trousers is interesting the fact that they didn't phone it in in terms of the boot sculpting like the undersides of the boots are textured like how often does mm. that happen in the joe line 
Not very. A lot of the time, you know, no. why why sculpt the underside of the boots? Yeah, man. All round, a very very interesting figure. So you know, oh, he yeah. kicked you in the face. <laughs> that creepy ass face. Um, like I said, it's it's uh, crazy legs. Uh, if you look at the modern era release of Crazy Legs, it's that same head sculpt. <laughs> I got a knock V twenty just because the dude comes with a a shoulder bag. What's but it about? keeps the heads in. It, it, it's a it's a great toy feature because it keeps the head the the alternate heads in there, which is cool. All right, all right. Am I the final the final Zartan? Mm. You're the final Zartan. I can't believe Stephen with such brevity about a character that he loves so much. Um, yeah. But maybe you can bounce off some of my words, Stephen. I, I looked at a couple different Zartans. It's not a character which I like too much. V-22 is interesting to me just because, uh, once again, I'm going to raise a glass to Yojo. The picture is really great on the guy's face on uh, version 22. And he has that kind of snarl that you would expect uh, Zartan to have and that kind of big nose. It's just a great sculpt, so shout out to that. V-20, I like that you guys brought that guy up. And I like that his chest is kind of tricked out he's got some nodes or maybe some warts i don't know what's going on but he's no, got some definitely tattoos or something yeah okay no and yeah. i like that it's it's got a great color gradient uh good call steven um mm, i believe they call that ombre <laughs> oh cheers i don't know whatever zartan you pick you you gotta give a nod to v6 which i believe is a collector's club offering and one of those rare clear figures that you just want to have around uh, especially if you have cool lighting uh, near your dioramas. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with V1 as well, you know, repping old school. V2 has some intrigue. I don't think that's a miss. But V1, just because proportionally he feels thick, he is a little light on accessories, but, you know, he came with that speeder bike essentially, and he kind of feels like functionally like a speeder bike pilot. He's got that little side pistol, you know, that fits in his backpack. Uh, much well, like I'm going to dispute did. that, bro. I'm going to dispute Ooh. that he comes, that he's light on accessories for the simple reason that he has a high accessory count. They might all compactly fit on him or around him. You know, he'll wield the pistol, the mask will go in the backpack, and the pads will be clipped onto him. But when you break him down to his constituent parts, I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that some GI Joes, single-carded GI Joes, not even Joes that came with vehicles. Came with a rifle, and that's it. The hell you yeah, I'm looking at you, Iceberg. <laughs> I mean, that's a sweet rifle, though. <sighs> Get out fair. of town. You, well, you're you're going to make a snowtrooper that comes with a rifle, not even a backpack? That guy's going to survive for, like, half a day. Less. <laughs> All right, let's... Let's not get away from Zartan. No, I agree. Like, those extra parts, they do make him. But how many people lost at least one of those parts along the way? So, I mean, he's a, he's a little bit of a caveat figure for me. Like, if you got him complete, sure, I like him. I do agree. I got to have the color change just because that's kind of his signature. I don't have much more to say about Zartan. But I do want to ask Steven, you know, enjoying this character young, did it inform your career path at all along the way? I've never thought of Zartan as a professional actor, but I have thought of him as somewhat of a, a swamp thing. You know, a man of very few words. Uh, that was my first introduction to him, incidentally. It was in the pages of an Action Force comic book, 
where he just went on a sort of kill-crazy, murderous rampage at one of the Action Force's swamp training schools and ultimately was foiled by Rikondo and some other dedicated new recruit Joes. But in the pages of this book, he didn't say a word. He operated on his own authority and didn't obey Cobra Chain of Command. And he did all sorts of skullduggery and murderous activities. Uh, So that's how I've chosen to characterize Zartan in my mind. Like, he is a loose cannon does not communicate with anyone, just acts, and acts with brutal efficiency. He is borderline mutant, because he can do feats of superhuman strength. He can dive to depths without any kind of aqua lungs or any kind of scuba gear, rebreather, nothing. And he is a complete and total enigma. So that's that's even not even taking into account his 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 ability to mimic or change his skin tone or uh, his physical appearance. I mean that's yeah, take that or leave that, uh, you know, depending on how fantastical you like to play your Joe. Uh, I always like to imagine that he has some kind of camouflage that operates, so he can effectively become invisible. And that was always kind of fun to play out in my games because. You kind of have the figure there for one second, then kind of like just use your fingers uh, to like, I don't know, fade him out through some kind of effect and, and have some kind of sound effect that you'd create and he'd be gone. And then just be this kind of Jazz echoey hands. voice ro- reverberating around the jungle uh, until he sneaks up behind you and slits your throat. <laughs> so that's how Zartan, Zartan's enigma uh developed for me so yeah absolutely to, to answer your original question uh worlds apart from uh his portrayal in cartoons which is more like along the lines of a professional actor who'd change his voice change his appearance and play a role no zartan was a freaky creature a sadistic evil villainous wraith that would just do the unspeakable without conscience as talented as he is, uh, I, I like that Hama gave, you know, the sunlight can out him, you know, that's that's pretty cool. But also something that was then given very little further explanation or use, in fact. It seems sure. like it was introduced because the toy demanded it, and then Hama swiftly kind of did away with it. Because I can recall instances where Zartan was in direct sunlight in the comic book, and didn't seem to have any problems. I mean, one need only cite the Civil War on Cobra Island, where he is leading tanks and troops in broad daylight, suffering no ill effects. So I guess he kind of got over it by then. Mm. (laughs) SPF 50. Or Harmer was just like, this is stupid, Uh, let's do away with it. The original toy has that feature, and it is something that is wonderful. I, I wouldn't take it away ever, specifically because it still works very well to this day, on my examples in any case. But there is another caveat with the figure, uh, and it's not just finding all the, the bits and bobs. He, as you might know, if you have a V1 Zartan, does not split apart when you unscrew his back screw. 
So there is a terrifying prospect that when your Zartan's rubber band goes, and believe me, they all will, <laughs> just give it enough time, when it goes, how do, you, how do you repair your Zartan? I mean, the, the thought of taking a scalpel or exacto knife or, or blade to his body and separating him painstakingly by cutting, cutting through the glue, uh, it, it terrifies me somewhat. I'm not going to lie. That's why I bought two. <laughs> huh, Indeed. That's, a, that's an interesting footnote. Zartan only gets one life. Yeah, that is actually quite not cool. I, I I always have that in the back of my head when I see a vintage one online to purchase. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, but it's not... You can't fix it. In fact, somebody on Facebook the other day was actually asking for advice on how to repair one because the O-ring had died and... Yeah, everybody was very grim about it. Yeah. So it seems uh, Desert Assault Zartan. What is his actual name? Come on, somebody throw me a bone. Jeez, uh, I'm just going to say Desert Wanderer or something like that. I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> not actually sure. Pursuit of Cobra? But yeah, Desert... it's just Pursuit of Cobra. Yeah. Pursuit of Cobra, Desert Strike Zartan. Desert Assault Zartan, Desert whatever. Zartan in the desert with the bird. That is, <laughs> by three to one, three? our favorite Zartan. I don't know, Kujo. You, you, you tended yeah. to vacillate a bit. Me and, me no, and Kujo are number one. Version one. Oh. Well, then, it's split right down the middle. You're forgetting one thing. Yeah, what you voted for. B1 came with a water cannon, brother. It came with a water cannon. <laughs> <laughs> V1 came with a water cannon. Yeah, no, he came with his vehicle. Didn't. Well, yeah, yeah. One one easily dismisses the vehicle. And besides, this is a a definitive sculpt figure conversation. All right. It's his accessory. You just went on for the last 20 minutes on how cool his accessories are. And that is one of them. Checkmate. (laughs) Well, still, gentlemen, in spite of being a a typical vintage apologist... (laughs) I'm going to stick with uh, my modern era choice and split us. 50-50. Desert Ooh. versus swamp. Sign of the times. Boom. Damn. There is nothing wrong with that Desert Zartan. It's just too good. Guys, I mean, I was going to throw in a... Oh, I love my sideshow. <laughs> oh, but I, then you guys I, would have told me to go home. And then I'd be like, I'm already there. No, that, that sideshow is nice. Where are you displaying that at? It's in my bedroom, man. Do you put <laughs> a shirt his... over it when you're making love? I don't... No, no, no. I've got him <laughs> holding his bow in one hand, and he comes with like a... It like, Excuse me, holding his a, what? He's a, <laughs> his bow. His bow. His compound his bow. bow. His bone. His bow. Not his bone. I think since you're bone. in a relationship now, you should probably remove the bow and put your toothbrush in there. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I don't want to mess up that hand sculpt. But he's got one um, hand sculpt that I'm particularly fond of on that figure. It's... He's got two fingers outstretched um, in like a V pattern. Oh! <laughs> I know where you guys are coming from. They come here, the pattern, yeah. Um, I just dig having him with the compound bow in the one hand and him sort of he's one arm outstretched with those two fingers pointing out and it's got this serious like your next kind of vibe and I love that because a face sculpt is also so mean. And if you got the exclusive one, you get the, the evil duke as well. The Evil Duke head sculpt, which is great. 
but I don't have a Duke body for it. But still, it's just what a cool toy. And it even comes with the head in the backpack that looks suspiciously like the Undertaker from WWE as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, I forgot my lookalike face. I'm going to go with an evil Louis C.K. Which, oh, by the way, good. Which, by the yeah. way, CK brother 311. <laughs> but yeah, guys, are we gonna add a freak to the mix, or are we gonna talk about the best GI Joe Halloween costume in GI Joe? <laughs> There's no wrong so, way, really. Isn't well, there? I'm gonna uh, deliver the opening volley and say that GI Joe had zombies. It had shape changes. It had space aliens at one point. But I'm going to say the freakiest costume on any Joe is going to go to the Shadow Tracker. Uh. For the simple reason that if you have the gumption and the gall to pry open that opaque face mask that he's wearing, which in and of itself, is a fucking Jason Voorhees mask. Uh, you pull that mask up, and you are treated to the most grotesque, most grisly, ghoulish G.I. Joe head sculpt I think ever created. I mean, it's got the zombie viper beat. Like, Shadow Tracker is one freaky motherfucker. I mean, that is the face that the you kind of... Hugger. <laughs> he is one ugly motherfucker. I mean, he's true to his, I suppose, predator uh, inspiration in that regard. Although he looks nothing like pussy mouth. Uh, he, <laughs> he is a frightening head sculpt. And if you don't want to destroy your shadow tracker, do a cursory internet search. And you'll be treated with images of this skull, skull head, basically. Uh, with these white, white eyes. To my mind, like, whenever we saw Larry Harmer's shorthand to depicting snake eyes in the early issues of the Marvel comics, like, everyone would sort of, like, run away and flee in terror. Like, ooh, a demon! Ah, that face, that ruined face! Like, Shadow Tracker. Now that is a ruined face. That would make people run away screaming in terror. So... I mean, <laughs> that could be your snake eyes if you if you wanted to really really go for the jugular on a burn victim's uh, appearance. But for what it is, that is my pick for the most convincing <laughs> Halloween costume for any uh, GI Joe or Cobra. Next, just just so I'm clear, uh, is it just a skull underneath his mask? It looks like a face that has begun to decompose and fester like it literally looks like a corpse face after about and i'm no uh, medical doctor or coroner for that matter but like i it, it looks like a head that's been buried for uh, a couple of months hmm. yeah it's Stephen. yeah it's it's brown and gray and just gory man Oh, I just sent a picture, um, or at least a yeah, picture I... I found of the face. And I just saw it. Skype chat. <laughs> Holy shit, that's freaky ass. Damn. 
Mm, some people have even customized it and added paint apps to bring out some of the details, like teeth and the sort of the bone where the, the nose should be, but the cartilage has been yeah. kind of eaten away. I mean, <sighs> it's, it's horrendous. It's so voodoo. <laughs> it's got such a voodoo feel. That, oh. whole to- that toy just says voodoo to me every time, and I love it for it. Well, if, if um, plastic, be insensitive if plastic Battles is listening, this might be a good figure to ape that one cover with the uh, skeleton firing the M60 on it. Ah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, so I took a look at a lot of different figures, trying to like, ah, uh, you know, obviously most figures have you know different costumes and stuff that they wear, but I mean they often have a definitive one that they almost always wear. Really weird ones that I found: Beachhead version two, um, <laughs> he came out in 1993, and he does not look like a Beachhead figure. He looks like a cop. With, with, yeah, that, with the sock on his face and, and like a skater helmet on and, and cool glasses. That all good period when Beachhead wanted to be a core figure. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looks horrendous and it makes no sense. And it's, it's pretty horrific, I think. Coming from that same year is version 3 of Law, where suddenly... Oh, boy. Saving, you know, policing the military bases, the G.I. Joe bases, just he took it up a level. He was suddenly wearing heavy armor, some sort of weird breather thing on his on his face. He had a rocket launcher with a shield on it. Yeah, you did not want to break the rules on any base that he was stationed on. It must have been the base that G.I. Joe had recently built on the moon, because... That's the only explanation I can see for that that did get up. <laughs> Sci-fi lore. It's it's so intense. And the worst thing is that like the packaging, the artwork makes the shield look kind of okay. You know, it's got like a see-through red window in it. And then you look at the actual accessory. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's like they just drilled a hole into a stand, and they're like, "There's a shield." There's they're your really shield. trying. They weren't. Would. They really weren't. Uh-uh. Okay, so l- let me mention two more. Um, Grunt. Grunt is—he's very strange. So originally, when he came out, he looked like a 40-year-old man with a receding hairline. In 1982. And then, of course, uh, we've we've discussed the 1991 screaming grunt with his <laughs> his kind of flat head and his you know his cool old Jerry curl coming out the front there. But several years later, they came up with another version where he's like, okay, I don't need the hair. This is a uh, 2003, so new sculpt era. He didn't need no hair. And several years later, actually no, a year later, he's like. Okay, I need my hair, but now I'm a young blonde-haired man. <laughs> what happened? What happened to this guy? I'm starting to think, you know, that there's credence to like the Joes aren't individual people. You know, it's, it's like Grant isn't always Grant. It's actually it's a code name that they pass along. Because I'm starting to think that too. <laughs> he changes too much way too much but the absolute master of disguise i think 
um, or the guy who's able to kind of pull off lots of different looks, is Flint. <laughs> yeah, I was ready for this. <laughs> I mean, he he wears it all. He has his awesome original outfit, which, I mean, I still think is one of the best uh, outfits that Joe's ever worn, that awesome Amen. black shirt with the cool, you know, camera pants. He then joined the Eco Force with his bright green outfit. He, uh... <laughs> Oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah, he's he's like short sleeves in 1994. But he actually did put on a proper disguise where he's actually wearing a cool Cobra officer uniform. And he comes with an alt head that he can put on. And that's pretty freaking cool. But his greatest achievement going from being a an aircraft pilot and, you know, the love of Lady J's life was he finally joined the Rishikage ninjas <laughs> in 2013. Oh, wow. And he apparently lost a lot of articulation at that point, too. <laughs> he comes He's got a great head sculpt. <laughs> it's a very good head sculpt. So this, this figure was released for the Giorgio Retaliation line. Um, and he came with a, a bitchin road retaliator vehicle, which is apparently an Arishikage vehicle. <laughs> and and also also by the way, um, if, if you didn't know, um, the the back of the box will will confirm this for you. Flint is one of the newest members of the Jojo team. He rides hard and fast on missions against Cobra. <laughs> I'm guessing that has to do with the movie continuity and not with the actual toy continuity because obviously Flint has been around for many, many years, but mm. he pulled it off. He he became a ninja. He rides a bike. And he made everyone forget that he ever existed. <laughs> Boom. True master of disguise. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you for that, Rob. That was gorgeous. That was. <laughs> I'm stirred. <laughs> okay, so the reason I was thinking of this topic, I mean, aside from it being Halloween, was because you remember that time when there was this guy called Wildcard that had joined the G.I. Joe, and, you know, he's like a complete dutz and whatever, and they put him in with the mean dog, he's meant to be the driver? Well, he must have fucked up really, really bad, because throw in some green suits, and he becomes Major Altitude. But it's just funny that these two figures have the exact same look. I mean... They, they're the same guy, okay? It's just a guy in a new suit. Okay, that's for starters. Then we have the wonderful legacy that is Shockwave. First, we had the amazing version 1 Shockwave in 1988. Baby blue and two guns and just fantastic. Not that you could use both of these guns at the same time, but anyway. Then they did the Night Force version, which is version 2, 1989. And then Shockwave decided to bear it all in version 3 which was released in 1992. And he looks quite dapper <laughs> with his little face. He's, he's part of the DEF team, I think, or the whole DEF situation there. He's looking... I, when I first uh, saw him, I thought maybe it was Tracker, that Tracker was trying to be Shockwave. But apparently it is a new head sculpt. Uh, moving along a little bit, um, I can't mention Beachhead now because Rob has mentioned <laughs> Beachhead and his core days. Although, Rob didn't mention that he, he stole uh, Recoil's guns. <laughs> so, <laughs> painted them yellow. Uh, no, that's too easy. I know exactly. 
Um, we've got low light in these dinosaur days. But the one that I want to talk about is that time that in the modern era when good old Outback decided to join the Dreadnoughts and call himself Monkey Wrench. <laughs> this figure is one of the biggest conundrums in my collection because as it is it's not easy to get a or you know to get Outback as a modern era figure at the time I mean I think they did him in a, that seven pack and they only later did him as a pack-in exclusive as they did with this monkey wrench but the problem is I don't know if I want him to be a younger or should I say more Chuck Norris looking Outback or if I want him to be Monkey Wrench because it's very weird when I have both of them on the same battlefield. So it's a bit of a funny one. So I can only surmise that Outback secretly killed Monkey Wrench and has infiltrated the Dreadnoughts. And let's not forget that time that Budo decided, fuck this, he's going to go full samurai. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to ditch all of the practicalities of his original outfit, if you can believe that. And he is going to don full-on samurai gear, okay? He's got everything. He's got the kabuto or helmet. He's got chest armor. He's got the whole cloak thing. He's got two katana. This man is decked out. I think this is meant to be a Halloween figure. I think this is like G.I. Joe's like, hey, you know, we're going to have Halloween. And Budo dresses up as a samurai because that's the only way I can explain this toy. Aside from the fact that it's really, really amazing. He's into historical recreations of like famous battles. But he's just got no friends, so no one joins him. It's like he's the only <laughs> one. He, he showed up <laughs> that day. He went to the big field where they were going to stage the big event. And he was like, okay, I guess I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, man, he is totally out of place, sadly. Yeah, sadly. And those have been like my, I don't want to say greatest offenders, but those have got to be my Halloween costume specials. Good picks. Thanks, man. I like Rob. Rob kept me entertained. <laughs> yeah. That was like to, a to, add to, to add to Rob's, I'm going to say that General Hawk also, or I like to call him Hawk. Okay, guys, this is something that I need uh, to get some, some opinions on. Do you agree with calling him General Hawk? It doesn't offend me, to be honest with you. But it is, it does. It offends me, and I'll explain why. Oh, I know it does. His <laughs> rank is General. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His rank is General. His codename is Hawk. His file name is Clayton Abernathy. These are distinct concepts. If you go mm. around calling him General Hawk, you're compounding two things that are actually not related. When you're yeah. speaking in terms of codenames, you leave rank out of it, or you should. It's not Lieutenant Falcon. It's Falcon. It's not General Hawk. Mm -hmm. It's Hawk. It's not Major Altitude. It's Altitude. But mm. they fucked that up a long time ago, so we're left with a mess. I mean, we've got versions mm. that are like General Clayton Abernathy Hawk or General Hawk or Clayton General Tomahawk Abernathy. Tomahawk slipped in. Anyways, so yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's not repeat ourselves, but I want him to be called Hawk. And Hawk has had a number of strikingly different looks and skin tones. You know, just contrast his original 13 with his definitive... 1986 version with the brown hair all of a sudden with his talking battle commandos tan can version are they the yeah. same guy or are they doppelgangers and 
There is a theory that Dave Cabal pointed out to me that General Flag is in fact Hawk and Talking Battle Commander's Hawk is in fact General Flag. Make of that what you will. But it does go some mm-hmm. length to explaining the differences in these looks. Most certainly but anyway, does. Cujo, you're up, buddy. It's nice of you to bring up Dave Cabal, one of our oldest friends. You know, uh, as far as G.I. Joe's and dress-up, the Samurai one is good. I, You know, I forgot about Budo's helmet. That's a great antler weapon, you know? You, you can <laughs> do some creative kills there. But I can see situationally, you could put him in some in some like kind of like uh, he's posing with a bunch of other armor suits, that kind of thing. In like Tim Burton Batman's house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not going to really get the drop on anybody. <laughs> That's exactly what came to mind. Actually, stop that. But no, I I think as far as dress ups, I went with winter wear Mindbender, but just for the sole reason that Mindbender can tell somebody to look at something and then he hits him in the back of the head with his briefcase. <laughs> and he looks good doing it in that big coat. So <laughs> I can't get over the coat. It's nice. But I'm going to transition since you did a big hoopla about ranks and code names and all that. I did have a Cobra Freak that uh, almost instantly a character came to mind, which I'd love to see. And that would be a character called Major Leech. He could be a mindbender understudy, kind of like more crude uh, interrogation guy. And you could just use uh, you could use the Hydro Viper's head just cast it in kind of like a, a darker, maybe black or gray. He doesn't actually leech on people, but it could make a double entendre for him always borrowing money from Mindbender or something. <laughs> but uh, he could be, yeah, he could be a dude that, you know, experiments, in, and, and he could patrol the other side of Cobra Island. You know, Croc Master's got one coast, leech has got the marshes. Nice. Something like that. That's my Cobra Freak. I like how you worked in the aquatic specialty. In fact... If Hydro Viper was a unique character, he could be exactly that. Because he's effectively some kind of scientific freak. Like mutants. Well, he's, I mean, he's they a were shock adapted and awe, to, dude. Mm. Like, if you, see a, if you see that coming at you underwater, you, you know. Combined with the fact that he's genetically manipulated. You know, he's a sort of a lab, lab accident. Or well, not a lab accident. He was a very, very controlled uh, bit of manipulation. But the file card, the words that always resonated with me on the file card was the sort of anecdote in the bottom paragraph saying, I'm sorry, but these guys just aren't human anymore. I was like, what? That was my jump on point, and that's why I made Hydro Viper a unique character. Quintus Destro. (laughs) (laughs) That face palm is too good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, between the webbed hand and the, you know, blow-up doll lips, as you put it. But I used to think of it as like a bloodsucker kind of vampiric lips. Like a vampire. Uh, He is is a freaky, freaky figure. Anybody else got any, like, Cobra freaks, maybe, that that they missed it along the way? I got a cool cool idea for one as we were talking, and I think Cobra seriously missed out on a spider based character um i don't know what i could call him like tarantula or something and his whole deal would be to sort of uh use spiders with all kinds of strange venom and and toxins and whatever loaded into them maybe he's genetically engineered them or something and they would go up into enemy camps 
and bite uh, enemy soldiers, and then he would be able to control them, like have like a hive mind kind of control over them. But he would be like the the visual that I have for him is is almost very shamanistic. Um, so like lots of like rope and whatever used in his character design, a lot of uh, maybe like a mask, you know, like maybe uh, I think what's the word? I think it's Anansi is the Zulu word for spider, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, and that's that's what I'd give. I'd give him like a Zulu origin as well, like give him like a an, an African origin. You know, we we need more African Joe characters, um, and I think culturally this would be an interesting injection into the line. I mean, I don't want to say that you know it's just you know he uses all kinds of muti and things like that. So like Are a witch you guys doctor. Known for your creepy crawlies over there. Ooh, yes <laughs> and no. I mean, we only have one of the most dangerous snakes in the world here, uh, black mamba baby. Um, <laughs> but the ledge, do you do you know about the story of Anansi, the Spider-Man, Paul? I don't. I sort of. I I, I think I've heard of it, but I don't know of it. If you know what I mean? That's like, amazing. I don't know it. Well, it's it's the Zulu equivalent of uh, the story of Pandora's box. That Anansi oh. he spun a web. And climbed yeah. up to the sky god and demanded that the sky god release all the stories of the world from his magic box. Uh, because the sky god was a very greedy fella and he kept all these great stories and tales and legends locked up in a box. Anyway, the sky god laughed <laughs> and said, uh, how could a, a small, weak old man like you um, possibly demand my stories? And Anansi was like, well, I'll, I'll give you whatever you want for them. And the sky god <laughs> laughed at this prospect and, and thought of a few things that he thought impossible for the Spider-Man to possibly uh, acquire. They were the hornets that sting like fire. Uh, I think they were called Mboro. The cheetah with the terrible teeth. I forget what his name was. And the fairy who men never see. Anansi manages to capture all these mythical creatures, bring them up to the sky god, and the sky god, okay, I am a man of my word, here. And he gives the box to Anansi, Anansi opens the box, and all the stories scatter to the corners of the globe. I think that's how the story goes. Anyways, a little bit of wow. cultural, cultural education for y'all. That's really cool. Wow. Wait, is know. that how it went? What was that, bro? He opened the box while he was still up in the clouds? Uh, I think so, yeah. Immediately he, he, he received the box from the Sky God and set them free, set them loose. That sounds like the same as the Twilight Zone where that guy has time to read, but then he steps on his glasses. <laughs> oh, unlucky. <laughs> well, is there any more Cobra Freaks among us? We got a leech and we got a, uh, a Spider-Man. Mind-controlling spider. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you got anything, Robert? Ooh, I think Kerber's freaky enough as it is. Right. There's enough things in there. Like a volcano trooper who is specifically designed to go into volcanoes. That is specific. <laughs> <laughs> That's really useful. Just in case, Thanks. you know, G.I. Joe's hiding in the lava. <laughs> you have to go in there. Okay, I'll train up for many, many hours and days and, and years. Now I can go into the volcano. There's no Joe's in there. <laughs> well, I mean, is is Halloween as big a deal over there as it is stateside where grown-ups are putting their costumes on their timelines and all that? 
I'm afraid not, as far as I can tell. But that's not to say I don't have some cool Halloween stories anyway. It's not, Cujo, but it is building up uh, slowly. Um, And, I mean, we had trick-or-treaters today for this weekend. And we had them last year and we had them the year before. Um, So that's becoming a thing. And it's obviously building up enough for people to post things on Facebook in South African channels to basically go, Halloween is Satan's birthday and all that crap. So there's a there's a lot of awareness uh, that's starting to come out. So I'd imagine with awareness that that's sort of, I don't know, I'd imagine as a result of popularity. So I wouldn't say it's this big thing, but I would say in like 10 years time, it's going to be kind of like the norm. That's if you can still walk in the streets in South Africa then. But yeah. Cheers. I tend to find it's it's an excuse to have a good time. Sort of corporate society has embraced it. So a lot of businesses have Halloween parties or Halloween specials. But children can't help but be swept up in the prospect of roaming around their neighborhood dressed up, uh, demanding sweets and chocolates from neighbors. That kind of cultural appropriation or infiltration from North America can't be denied, even though the, I suppose, the paganist ritual of Halloween has been, Mm. you know, it's it's something that just isn't understood or celebrated here. Mm. But the commercial side has taken off. So when I was a child, when it was Halloween, A, it was an excuse to watch scary movies that otherwise were... Uh, off limits for some reason (laughs) (laughs) and b it was an excuse for us to ramshackle together some kind of costume and marauder around the neighborhood looking for people that had halloween spirit had that kind of good cheer had a jack-o'-lantern burning in their yard and i remember one of my most favorite memories is we me and my band of friends rolled up on this house that Clearly, they they got it. I mean, the decorations were everywhere. Uh, and that is a rarity in South Africa. But these guys mm. were like, they basically, as we, as we walked into their yard, they ambushed us. And we had a sort of a battle on their, on, in their front yard. We were wielding swords and super soakers. And uh, I think one of us had a, a slingshot and a catapult. <laughs> uh, hopefully we didn't take out anyone's eyes. But, I mean, we just had this cool battle scene with play-play weapons uh, with these adults. And it was wonderful. We reached into this cauldron that had dry ice at the bottom and pulled out sweets. It was just so wonderful to get a taste of what it could be like if this tradition was really, really taken on by everyone. And everyone kind of went all out. So maybe one day I'll visit the States around about Halloween time. I've had an American Thanksgiving and I've had an American Christmas and New Year's, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, all that good stuff. But Halloween not. So um, hopefully I can I can catch the vibe one day because it looks like a good time. Oh, there was another incident where a friend of ours got a bit carried away in the trick element of trick-or-treat. So when we were denied any kind of treats, he not only egged their car, but he took an egg and threw it at the taillight, which smashed it. And that kind of ended the festivities of that evening quite abruptly, because we got a stern talking to from the parents, and we were then uh, 
not grounded, but yeah, confined to quarters for the rest of the evening. But we still had amassed enough loot to give us all stomach aches the next day. Mm, mm, mm. Sweets for nothing? Amazing. <laughs> You're welcome. My only real Halloween memories are just um, at the Ramburg waterfront, uh, which is in Ramburg, surprise. Uh, it's the fake waterfront, as the Cape Tonians called it, or used to call it, I think. There's no uh, water there anymore, to... bro. No, it's not the, uh, the bright water commons now, but I mean, you know, it's bright green water commons <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, more importantly, in its heyday, when uh, the waterfront opened, which was when I was still in primary school, I think I was in standard five, uh, that is grade seven, they used to have these huge Halloween sort of festive things at uh, the Brightwater Commons. Like, uh, they used to do a whole trick-or-treating thing. And, like, you know, it used to be chock-a-block packed. And I only ever went to them when my when we started working in the flea market there selling games and whatever as anime works. But that was crazy. So, I mean, that, that was like, you were pretty much just landlocked. I mean, it's just people, and you're just throwing candy at them, throwing toys at them. I mean, candy. Throwing sweets at them. And... You know, giving them promotional flyers for the shop and whatever, like that kind of lame stuff. But um, the one thing that was quite cool, but I actually um, opened my house for trick-or-treat last year because uh, somebody in the neighborhood had uh, created a neighborhood watch community and they actually, you know, expressed some interest in doing it. And there were a lot of people that wanted to do it. So I thought, hey, you know what, I'm going to get some sweets and just for the little kitties and whatever. And as it is, you know, I'm... I don't have any costumes or anything that planned, but I've got a Ghostbusters trap and I've got a Ghostbusters PKE meter. And it was really cool because I made them like, I put this like big sign on the door and it was like scream for, for sweets or scream for candy or whatever. And they'd come to the door and you just hear this blood curdling, ah, like little kids screaming. It was really cute. So you used to open up the door, throw out the trap, scan them with PKE meters. They're all looking at me like I'm some weirdo. And then the trap would like pop open and they'd all like get a fright and it'd be really cute because that trap is a great prop. And then it would close and then it would like shock and I'd be like, no guys, it's just me messing around. Here's some sweets and whatever. And they like really dug it and that was quite sweet. So yeah, that that was my cool Halloween story. Ooh. <laughs> Dude, that's a great story. That is wonderful. Go you. You're totally the cool guy. <laughs> the cool guy that we wanted to happen upon when we were kids. Incidentally, oh. after we were confined to quarters, we watched an episode of G.I. Joe Extreme that we had recorded. I just remembered that now. <laughs> nice. He's only the cool guy if you got cool candy. <laughs> I had cool candy. I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a big child myself, so I had good sweets. What's your choice candy right now? Dude... You know, okay, I'll tell you what I'm longing for. I'm really dying for some candy corn. I love that shit. But I can't get it. We used to be able to get it in South Africa. I can't get it anymore. But, um, it's like, I'd get all of these, like, cool, like, gummy type things, like gummy milk bottles and gummy Coke bottles and, like, big jelly kind of gummy spiders and, and then, like, little boxes of Smarties, uh, which are similar to M&M's. I don't know if you have Smarties in America. We got Smarties. Okay, yeah, the Smarties. <laughs> so, I didn't know. I didn't know. And, uh... Bottle caps. Bottle, bottle caps. <laughs> um, yeah, that kind of stuff, you know, and they really dug it. I mean, sometimes I can find them. They do these big, like, marshmallow balls with, like, coconut and stuff on them. Kids love that shit, too. Well, these ones did. Rob, do you have any Halloween memories? 
we didn't really do much Halloween, um, at least me and my mom. Our neighborhood wasn't really that much into it. I think my memories of Halloween, we kind of wander around the neighborhood. I don't even remember if we even, like, went to doors, you know, to actually ask for stuff. We were just like, hey, let's get into an outfit and wander the street at night because reasons. We They let us, you know, go outside later than we normally would. Yeah. Um, probably the thing that's that's hopefully helping kind of expand on the the Halloween idea is um, the Halloween Comic Fest, which is a, an initiative through Diamond, who also does Free Comic Book Day. Um, so if you visited, yeah, um, if you visited visited your local comic shop this this weekend, you probably would have been able to get a free comic book. I saw that advertised actually for Anime Works for the Nexus. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been going for a couple of years now. I don't think it's too old, but, yeah, there's a there was a really good selection this year. Like, uh, there was a Hellboy one. They're always going to do a Junji Ito one. Yeah, of course. Junji Ito, definitely. Japan he does horror. absolutely insane horror stuff. Yeah, the tick is oh, horrific, cool. but it's he's a really funny he's a really funny character. Um, I love the tick. Yeah, so... That, that's, that's kind of my memories come from, you know, um, visiting a comic shop and going, hey, I, I'm getting comics. But that's more like adult memories. Um, mm. <laughs> and also watching horror films, um, which I, I often sucked at because when I was younger, I, I, I did scare fairly easily. I think we, we once tried to watch Halloween <laughs> with Steven and I did not last very long. I went and played Warcraft. <laughs> you guys ever watched the second one? No, not the second one, the third Halloween. It's such a weird film. It's such a an anti-Halloween statement, actually. It's quite cool. I forgot that you went off and played Warcraft, Rob. That's... that's Wow, man. It affected <laughs> you, bro. It affected you. It did. At that time, it definitely did. It was It was very affecting. Halloween films overall, yeah, I think there was also a year when we watched The Exorcist, but that was a few years later. I don't know if that was on Halloween, though. I made it through that, so. I have two traditions with regards to horror films, because I'm a horror nut and have been since I was, like, six years old. Uh, Yeah, like, seriously, like, I watched a lot of scary shit when I was, like, a kid. I have this one tradition of on Friday the 13th. I mean, I know it's going to be like, duh, but on Friday the 13th, I love watching a horror movie. And I often default to the Friday the 13th series of films just because I love those films. They are so hokey and they're not really horror films. They're slasher movies, but, you know, same difference. And then on Halloween, I usually put in like one or two horror movies to watch. Like even if I've seen them before, I just love having them in the background. I love that whole horror vibe. And for the last, I'd say, two years or so, especially on Halloween, on like the 31st, I've been playing a lot of synthwave horror music, like specifically mixes related to that. So like movie horror music or scores by the guy, who I can never remember his name when I want to recall it, but the guy does the score for Friday the 13th and all that stuff. I just have that. I, I, I create like a creeper sphere out of it. So I enjoy doing that kind of thing as well. Uh, personally but that's just i love horror movies i mean i like i said i always have that's my only like little real tradition that i've always had you know despite not really having halloween per se halloween scared you rob oh <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think it was uh steven that mentioned it once upon a time that uh the treehouse of horror or the simpsons treehouse of horror episodes 
kind of was the first time that it made like the scares of Halloween more approachable. I mean, you may have not recognized the parodies at that time, but of course, like when you watched The Shining later, you were like, "Oh, I get it." I do remember The Shining. That's with uh, um, what's his face, uh, the groundskeeper. What's yeah, yeah, easy brother, easy brother. (laughs) What's his name, groundskeeper Willie? Um, Oh yeah, the Shining. Sure, the Shining. Yeah, those are definitely a tradition for me. There's enough of those to fall asleep to all month. But like, yeah, Halloween stateside, it's it's just uh, we we celebrate everything quite a bit now. I, I don't know if that's overcompensating or what, but it's my favorite season as far as just good TV watching. And dude, horror movies are their own little psychological study. Each person kind of has their own approach to taking something that terrifies you and then making it something that you enjoy. Which is another interesting concept. I'm so fucked in my head. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> no, dude, that's what makes that's what makes great art. You know, that's why you're good at what you do. But Thanks. yeah, no, no, it, I think uh, I'm trying to think of any go-to horror movies, but it's always the thing. And just I I like older slow burns. I mean, cheap scares are good, but I just like to be disturbed and then argue with my loved ones about why we should be or shouldn't be disturbed by it. That kind of thing. It Follows is definitely something. If you guys haven't watched it, I think you should check it out. It's very good. Except for the naked Boston. guy on the roof. That made no sense. Yeah, <laughs> that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. But, but it was disturbing. In the moment. Oh, I love the vibe of that movie. I like horror games. It's kind of a, a shitty thing, but maybe, you know, maybe as you're listening to this podcast on Halloween Day, and maybe you're a gamer as well as a G.I. Joe book fan, it would maybe be cool if you just fired up a really cool horror game for yourself to play or something. Or or maybe, maybe even on our Facebook page, drop off a list of Halloween films or horror movies that you're going to enjoy on this Old Hallows Eve, and maybe we'll find something that we haven't watched in a while or find something new to check out so that we can enjoy this horrific splendor with you. My God. Well, speaking mm. of people reaching out and touching people, <laughs> I think I think we got like what 500 folks on our Twitter now. That's not a milestone, yeah. but it is a reason for me to uh, just say that like when you follow something, what does that mean? You know, what are you doing? You're just following a timeline. If if you're in GI Joeberg, whether it's Facebook or or Twitter, I mean this is this is a network to me. It's one I take serious. If you ever think we can help you out. Uh, reach out. Um, I'm not saying we're going to come through, but there's a reason for a network of people. I, I enjoy everybody that's, uh, you know, come on to Twitter and and share their minds. So I appreciate you guys and uh, cheers. And I think that's a pretty decent note to end it on. Anybody else got any walk away? No. 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 I, it's, you've, you've walked us all the way out. I'm going to run DMC and Aerosmith <laughs> and walk this way. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stephen. All right. Please continue. You've just been hit by G.I. Joeberg's episode 102 Halloween special. Hey, everybody's doing it. But at least we didn't put on stupid character voices and uh, spooky music, right? Or can we? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a cute dinosaur. (laughs) Hey, guys, we didn't even mention Giraffe Pants Leatherneck from the Battlecore line. I was was waiting for it.
Yeah, no. sorry, that one slipped through the net because I guess in our pre-show chats we kind of exhausted lampooning him. But <laughs> Giraffe Hunter Levenick, oh man, what a joy, what a joy, what a great addition to the world of GI Joe that. Levenick chose to wear his giraffe pants that day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I think all of our Zartan picks need to be disqualified because none of them came with a compound bow. That is true. Well, then I guess Paul does win with his... Well, actually, me and Paul win with our Sideshow Zartan. Yes! (laughs) Yes! <laughs> Bravo, gents. Bra fucking Bravo. I would like to see pictures of how you display those in your room. Mm, I will with send you a two, picture two of fingers. No, 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 Twitter. All the way so up. Can... <laughs> <laughs> two fingers. <laughs> alright, alright, you nut jobs. Oh, yeah, okay, well then, my honorable mention, Zartan, <laughs> is the very sexy, comic book accurate version that came out, I think, in 2004. The comic packs. Sartan, who comes with a bow. Oh, oh, look at you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, dude, you can't separate Zartan from the bow after that one shot, you know. Mm, but totally. But I like my Zartan with blank eyes. So there's the that. early edition works with the pistol. That pistol is unique for quite some time, isn't it? I love that pistol. Cool. It was really. Okay. I think it was revisited in the 25th anniversary. But like, I mean, for the longest time, that pistol was a Zartan V1, you know... Uh, exclusive. Yeah, exclusive. Thank you, Rob. Anyways, we have killed this topic dead, dead, dead. Deader than disco, deader than okay. a zombie, deader than the decomposed face of a shadow tracker. Deader than Michael Jackson. Oh! Oh! Damn, son. But the thriller, I must say, as far as zombie makeup goes... Thriller, zombie prosthetics, and makeup effects, for my money, best zombies ever. I dig them too. Mm. Anyway, Mm -hmm. my name is Steve. And this is Spooky Paul. (laughs) This is Raboot. This is Major Leech, a.k.a. Cujo. Wishing you a very happy and haunted Halloween. Bye, guys. This says Halloween. This says Halloween. 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 Truly frightening, Paul. That laugh at the end of Thriller at the end of this podcast. Or we can all just try and imitate it. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Hey, uh, we should totally use that. We should totally use this picture of that. Jeez, uh, uh, uh. guys, so much for making a cacophony of laughs. laughs.